0: Harry Bird's not walking
1: through that door. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice.
0: It's my team. It's my quarterback. The okay. kick.
2: It is...
0: God, God, God,
2: God. To be the
1: man! You gotta beat the man! The 2-1.
0: One
1: This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Thanks for finding us on the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Thanks again for finding us on the various pa- podcast platforms: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. And wherever else you find and listen to your podcast. We got a cool episode this week. We got two, two interviews for you. First off, we're going to do a simulcast interview with TJ Reeves and Marquise Johns with the Three Dog Thursday podcast, as well as the BigFightWeekend.com. TJ TJ's the host of the Three Dog Thursday podcast, the video roundtable, which you can find on YouTube. Marquise is a writer, senior writer for bigfightweekend.com. TJ and Marquise also do the Big Fight Weekend podcast, so we're gonna have a simulcast podcast with our with our with the Powers on Sports podcast and their own podcast. We're gonna discuss the NFL draft. We're gonna talk about the Big Fight Weekend that's coming up in Dallas, Texas, at AT and T Stadium, involving Canelo Alvarez, Billy Joe Saunders, and we're also gonna hit on the Felix Verdejo situation down in Puerto Rico. These guys were the leaders in writing about these this story. Over the weekend involving Verdejo and is being uh, arrested and charged with murder and kidnapping of his girlfriend who's pregnant. So, we're going to get all the lowdown on that. Second half of the episode, we're going to talk to Drew Felios. Drew's going to talk to us about the Manchester United controversy. Drew is the play by play voice of the Tampa Bay Rowdies here in the United Soccer League. We're going to get a lowdown about the USL as their season begins in 2021. We're also going to talk to Drew about the Aaron Rodgers saga in Green Bay. And we're also going to hit on Drew is also does a lot of work with the professional pickleball association. So we're going to get Drew's thoughts about pickleball and the rise of that sport. So hope you enjoy the episode. And again, simulcast interview with TJ Reeves, Marquise Johns, and myself. So enjoy.
3: Hello there. Great to be with you. If you're only hearing us, as I like to say on Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcast, wherever you get your podcast, come find the moving pictures on the YouTube round table, Search for YouTube, search three dog Thursday. Come find us via a social media link at Three Dog Thursday, etc., for the YouTube roundtable. I am merely the somewhat capable host. By the way, this is a joint interview. So if you're going, wait a minute, this is also on the powers on sports podcast. That's because my man Jason Powers Uh, from right here in the Tampa Bay area is also aboard and so this is a joint interview on both of our shows a little cross promotion a little cross pollination we love that let's welcome in Jason Powers right now here on three dog Thursday and on his own podcast the Jason Powers on sports podcast how are you my friend how are you, sir?
1: Appreciate it. We're doing a little innovative work in the podcasting world, a little simulcast along many
3: platforms. I, l- I love the fact that we're sharing, and we're sharing with Marquise John, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. Uh, he and I are part of the BigFightWeekend.com website and the Big Fight Weekend podcast. So why don't we make it a table for three here on the YouTube roundtable? Because we've got some boxing and some Canelo Alvarez to talk about. Marquise Johns, Weak Sauce Radio. How do you feel here on the YouTube Roundtable, Three Dog Thursday? And also, we're doubling your paycheck on the Powers on Sports podcast as well at the same time. Marquise, how you feeling? Pretty good, TJ. in the
0: post, apparently. I love this. This integration sensation of these uh, collaborations going on here. I love this.
3: You're like Don King with all of the, uh, <laughs> uh, all of the words. Only in America. Only in America. Would, would love you to know that he's still been in communication with Don King Promotions. Uh, they're still trying to promote fights. And Don King is literally 80, what, Mark? Nine. 80, 89 nine years old, still promoting fights, Jason Powers. It's crazy that Only in America is still around. And Bob Arum is still around promoting, and he's, what, 88, 89?
0: I think he turns 90 this year, actually. He's up there, too.
3: it is crazy uh, about all this. All right, so plenty of boxing coming up. Let's begin, though, on Three Dog Thursday with what we left off on this podcast, and Jason has already been talking about it on Powers on Sports a little bit, and that's the NFL Draft. So uh, I am going to right away uh, here share the screen as the NFL Draft took place and Trevor Lawrence uh, ends up going as the number one overall pick here. He is Trevor Lawrence with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was not a big surprise. Uh, Lawrence to the Jaguars who are going to be bad. Zach Wilson to the New York Jets is the second pick and the second quarterback. Not a huge surprise, but let's jump right in. Jason powers. Uh, as we take a look here, the, San Francisco 49ers go with Trey Lance, the North Dakota State uh, quarterback, instead of Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback, instead of Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback. I just asked Brian Edwards, our handicapper, his opinion in the previous segment. Jason, your opinion about that move?
1: I don't have a big problem with it. I mean, the, 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 the consensus was this draft was going to start at number three with the Niners. What were they going to do? Were they going to go with the more ready-made Guy Mac Jones, who they thought might be ready to go week one, or are they more looking down the road? Trey Lance might need a half a year to get ready. You still got Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. Obviously, the question was going to be: Are you going to keep Garoppolo? If you draft Mac Jones, they're probably going to trade Garoppolo. With them keeping Trey Lance, they're going to they're going to keep you're going to keep Garoppolo. To me, I think it's probably the right thing to do. Is if you think Lance is going to be better three years down the road, then keep Garoppolo for another year. So I don't have a big problem with what they do. And Garoppolo has been a winning quarterback for the Niners when he's been
3: healthy. All right. Fair enough on that. Jason and I will kind of go back and forth on the draft. Marquise is here for the boxing and much more. Although Marquise is a Detroit Lions long-suffering fan from the state of Michigan and from the Motor City. Do you have any remarks, any cheap shots that you want to take at your Lions right now off of this draft? Or are you somewhat optimistic? Right now, they went offensive line, Pene Sewell, right? The big offensive lineman from Oregon to help protect Jared Goff, Marquise.
0: Yeah, TJ, uh, we went offensive lineman again because the offense was offensive last year. And the problem with this Lions team is that they have so many missing pieces and they need so many of them back. The one thing that they at least got with an offensive lineman at least you would think to have have at least one guy that could run the football behind, which is what they didn't have at all for about half the season last year, uh, Bucks game included. So we'll see how that all plays out. But to piggyback back off your your point with, with uh, Trey Lance going to the Niners, guys, I really think they may have, they messed this up. They they needed a guy that's already ready to go. They can't if, if they're if they're playing with Garoppolo for a half year, then they're going to slide this guy in there. These guys will be fired the next season. They won't be able to find out how this guy's really going to play out, but. The, 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 the only care I will get mentioned with Trey Lance is North Dakota state. Let's be honest, guys, that's a feeder system in a juco program. So it's, it's about as much of a pro offense as you can get. So
3: we'll, we'll see how it turns out. All right. And we should make mention here again with San Francisco, they were in the super bowl two years ago, but to Marquise's point, a bad year last year, yeah. uh, Lance, a bit of a risk, Jason powers. Uh, with only 17 games played and at the yeah. lower division, the FCS level, not the, not the powerful uh, FBS with all of the SEC, the Big 12, the Big 10. This is a bit of a reach. It's a bit of a risk. And if it doesn't work in the short term, Kyle Shanahan, the coach, may be in trouble. I don't think John Lynch, the GM, is in trouble, as, uh, as I've discussed on some other interviews, some other places. But Kyle Shanahan, the coach, might be in trouble. What do you think, this is,
1: you're right. This is a this is a defining pick for Shanahan. I mean, he he had the blunders with the with the Falcons in the Super Bowl. The other issues. I mean, this is a big move, and I think I think Lance won them over more on the mental side of the game. And and is and is he's everybody said he's incredibly smart. He's incredibly uh, a teammate, a great teammate, all that kind of good stuff. I think, and I, you're right, it is a risk. There's no doubt. He he's had the least number of pass attempts as any kid who's ever been drafted that high all right again you're listening to the simulcast podcast three dog thursday podcast powers on sports podcast tj marquise johns let's get to tj your wheelhouse the tampa bay buccaneers your <laughs> thoughts he's wearing old school bucko bruce orange okay, shirt.
3: again again we should say if you're only hearing us on three dog thursday if you're only hearing us on the powers on sports co- podcast come find the youtube channel because yes, the boys can yeah, testify yes. i am rocking old school bucko bruce uh tonight on the interview at the time that we're taping this on the youtube round table come see it just for bucko bruce but go ahead Question absolutely please. yeah
1: definitely find us on youtube we're gonna, we're gonna we'll are we have this whole this whole round table segment let's talk about the buccaneers first round we were t- we, we were people were on there the bucks maybe trade up trade out of the first round They stay where they're at at 32. Joe Tryon from Washington falls in their lap. Tell us a little bit about Joe Tryon.
3: Well, the interesting thing is I don't get them all right. And Marquise is the first one to tell you that uh, I I sometimes don't even get half of them right when we start talking (laughs) boxing. This is why I defer to him on Big Fight Weekend. (laughs) But in three different mock drafts, which, again, it's a whole lot easier to do the mock draft when you're in the top ten. That's like shooting layups in basketball. Hey, I made 9 out of 10 layups. I made 10 out of 10 layups. Almost everybody can make layups. Step back to the free throw line and give me 9 out of 10, picking a mock draft pick at 20. Guys, picking a mock draft pick at 32 is like making a 40-foot Steph Curry shot, if we're talking about this. (laughs) It's like getting in the ring with Canelo Alvarez. In three different mock drafts, I picked the Washington defensive end Joe Tryon on a hunch two ways. I didn't have any inside intel, Jason Powers, Marquise Johns, but I believe two things. You ha- you cannot have enough good pass rushers. I mm-hmm. believe that guy was still going to be there. And the connection to Vita Vea, the Buccaneers former right. number one pick defensive tackle from the University of Washington, where Joe Tryon is from, they were yep. teammates for one season together back three years ago something just said to me that was going to be the pick and sure enough it was the guy didn't play college football Jason Powers last year as you know he opted out for the COVID-19 shortened season decided not to play still ends up being a first round pick and look he's got a great chance on a defense that's loaded to kind of work his way in and be a pass rusher I love it here for Joe Tryon, Jason Powers as the first pick of the Buccaneers without a lot of eyes and scrutiny probably on him for the first season. And Marquise, I'm going to get to you in one second. Let's yeah. go to the
1: second round. Everybody thought the Buccaneers had a, had a guy, t- a quarterback targeted potentially. A lot of people thought that they might go quarterback at the end of the first round. The Bucs, again, sit where they're at at 64. Kyle Trask, the quarterback from Florida, falls to him at 64. To me, a perfect pick. And and a comparison I came up with even before I heard Bruce Arians say he reminded me a lot of Brad Johnson, which was the comparison by Jason Light and Bruce Arians. Big Husky guy, was a backup, took, took advantage of his opportunity to play, six foot five, not the strongest arm. I think Kyle Trask could be a perfect fit in this Buccaneer offense two, three years down the road.
3: Well, let's just say this. This is like being in Marquise Johns' world here. We're all just visiting. Same thing for Kyle Trask (laughs) with sitting behind, oh, by the way, Tom Brady. Just sit back and learn. And this may not even be a guy, Jason and Marquise, and for the audiences hearing us on Three Dog Thursday and the Powers on Sports podcast, he may not play at all in 2021, and he may not be called upon in 2022. They may have Tom Brady the next two years with Kyle Trask sitting behind him. And uh, who knows what happens? Brady could, the elbow could give out, the shoulder could give out. We don't know. But he is Trask in a perfect situation to sit back and learn from arguably the greatest of all time. So if you're not going to get picked in the first round and you're not going to like Cincinnati, a perennially horrible team, Cleveland, pick one that's usually awful Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the next best thing if you're not going to get to go no. and play. Is sit back behind Tom Brady, Marquise. I don't know what your thought is here, but the the Gator fans I know, and we're around a bunch of them. All three yeah. of us guys, they're all elated with this pick for the Buccaneers. What about a yeah, they.
0: Yeah, they are, TJ, and it's a, it's a fun pick because, you know, there's won't be a quick a quarterback. It was just a matter of if and when. They didn't pick one in the first round because they're all gone, so they picked Kyle Trask when he was still there in the second round. I'm intrigued, TJ, to see if he's actually going to be around once all this goes around. Pretty much we're at the mercy of Tom Brady whenever he wants to retire or not, and obviously that's not this season or the season after that, it looks like personally. I'm intrigued about that, but if the comparisons, guys, is, is he's the next Brad Johnson do you think they probably was going to draft someone a little more mobile, or were they just this set, set on Trask's arm? Maybe.
3: I think they're happy, Jason. What's your thought? I think they're happy to have him learn to be the same kind of pocket passer that Tom Brady is. What do you think, Jason? Powell? I agree. I think
1: I think he's I think Bruce Aarons, is the the Byron left, which Bruce Arians mindset is pocket passer. They're not as much into the running quarterback, mobile quarterbacks as other organizations are. They believe in the downfield throws, and I think Kyle Trask showed. He's got enough pocket awareness. That's the beauty. You have to have the pocket mobility. It's not the guy that can run around. It's the guy that can move around in the pocket. And Brady's always shown he can do that. Kyle Trask has shown he can do that at Florida. Doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's very cerebral and very accurate. That's That was the difference between him and a Davis Mills
3: and Kellen Mond, those kind of guys. His accuracy is tremendous. And we should say, again, he broke records at Florida, including the the touchdown. Uh, record in the sec so there's a lot of pedigree and as you mentioned he was a backup at florida behind felipe franks we were talking about that in the first segment of the three dog thursday podcast again we're we're simulcasting here joint interview it's also on the powers on sports podcast jason's podcast so again find both podcasts but on three dog thursday we were talking about trask sitting behind felipe franks and waiting for his chance. He even sat behind Dierick King, the Miami Hurricane and Houston Cougar quarterback in high school. He right. is used to sitting back and waiting for a chance and he's going to have to sit back with Tom Brady. Jason, go ahead.
1: Marquise, back to your Lions. It's a funny thing. Your GM Brad Holmes is a Tampa guy. Went to Chamberlain High School here in Tampa. Uh-huh. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts of Dan Campbell and that mentality of building a rugged kind of team? A running team first. They brought in Anthony Lynn to be the coordinator. You draft Sewell. They like big bodies. What is your thought of the whole Dan Campbell regime coming in with with a kind of a mindset of a, being a hard nosed team?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what if what he's able to do in this modern NFL, guys. He's talking about you know bringing back the old fashioned you know double tight end you know I formation, big jumbo package run football game. You know that's cool. It's, it's 2021, guys. It's, that 1987 stuff may or may not work in, in present day, but we'll see how that works out. The one thing that they did do, which I think was smart on their end, when they traded Stafford for Golf, at least Golf has the ability to at least move around somewhere a little bit because Stafford at one point became immobile, and, and at this point he he's been running around for a decade, guys. He's tired, so I get it. And uh, hopefully, we'll see what with, uh, what Holmes and Campbell do with this. I'm actually an, uh, optimistic, Jason. Uh, At this point, I have nothing else but hope because it's been about 15 years. They
3: they hired Chris Spielman in that front office, and you know this, Marquise, a hard-nosed 1980s, 90s linebacker mentality. Campbell's out of that same mold. They are are not going to get beat because of toughness or conditioning. They may get beat on lack of talent. They may get beat on Dan Campbell not knowing what he's doing as a coach. But, Marquise, Mm -hmm. at least you're going to have a tough – play hard. I mean, th- that's what those guys are Spielman in the front office and Campbell, the new coach, they know nothing else than to be bloody nose, dirty, dirty, whatever to go, to go fight you.
0: Yeah. And that was the one thing that was missing actually Honestly, guys, they haven't had a, a, a hard-nosed, quote-unquote, kind of guy probably since Buddy Ross, if we're being realistic here, guys. That's a long time ago, and that hard-nosed got...
3: Bobby Ross, yeah, yeah.
0: Bobby Ross, yeah. Buddy Buddy was the Arizona guy. That was his dad. <laughs> but no, Bobby, Bobby was in town, and that chased Barry out, and it's been like this ever since. Hopefully... Uh, the, the era with, with Campbell can, can just hopefully wipe away this, these last few years of Patricia because Patricia was in over his head, guys, and it was just oh. not good this last season whatsoever. Well,
3: and they had Jim Caldwell and they made the playoffs, they had Rod Marinelli, who I love, and they had an 0 16 season. I got a yeah. stat you want, you want a stat as this, <laughs> as we sit here on these two podcasts on Three Dog Thursday and on the Powers on Sports podcast, mm-hmm. no Detroit Lions fired coach. No one that they fired has ever been an NFL head coach again after they fired them. Not one. If that tells you, if you need any bigger neon billboard, Marquise knows this, and Jason knows this, that if you're fired by the lions, you're fired for the NFL. That's <laughs> incredible. That is, incredible. That is a never, great stat. I mean, you can go all the way back for the last 40 years, including Wayne Fonts, and I don't Fonts. even know Marquise knows of the names. I mean, go all the wow. way back to, like, Daryl Rogers and whoever Most else. Rogers, co- oh, wow. Coach, coach the Lions, whatever it was. None of them have ever gotten another NFL <sighs> head coaching job after being ousted by the Detroit Lions. That's incredible, Jason. That's, That's incredible.
1: All right, as we wrap up the NFL, let's go to I'm gonna go to each of you guys. give me a give me a kind of surprise out of left field pick that you that you noticed in the first round. A lot of people were questioning the Raiders picking Alex Leatherwood <laughs> as high as they did. Mayock and Gruden have seemed to have some issues in the first round the last couple of years. You know, you had the Mac Jones falling to New England at 15. Give me a pick that you liked, you really liked, or you said, what are they what are they doing?
3: TJ. I'll give you I'll give you real quick. Uh, here that I I loved the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles getting Devonte Smith. I've said on this podcast. I said I think Jason is a guest with you. I think yep. I said it to my 13 year old twins. Anybody else that would listen? I was walking around the neighborhood <laughs> with the dog, saying it to the postman and whoever. <laughs> Devonte Smith is the best receiver in this draft, so I love the Eagles pairing him with Jalen Hurts. I, I, Cincinnati is just Cincinnati. What are they doing? I know they want to put Jamar Chase, the receiver from the LSU Tigers with Joe Burrow, the former LSU quarterback, but I did not understand passing on Devontae Smith, who I think is the better receiver. So there's there's a couple from me. Marquise, did you have any more surprises or are you still just licking your wounds as a Lions fan that you're trying not to go 0-16? What's the deal? Uh, well,
0: I'm still licking my wounds, TJ, but the one pick that made me excited actually was the fact that the Chicago Bears guys yes. gave their entire future for uh, <laughs> Justin Fields. And if that pick fails, guys, we won't be in last place in Detroit anymore, guys. That's just plain and simple.
3: <laughs> I like well, that. Well, the thing
0: is,
1: that, that picks, that picks you know, Nagy and Ryan Pace's jobs are on the line. They have to make that move. As soon as Fields got past Denver at number nine, when they didn't take a quarterback, I think it's a great move. I, who knows if he can play or not, but it shows the fan base, hey, we're going for it. We're, we're, we're willing to risk, another uh, you know, two years worth the number ones, which is okay. That's what you have to pay these days. If you're going to make a big move like that in the draft, you have to give up that second number one pick. And, and it's being shown that number one picks aren't nearly as valuable as we thought they used to be 10, 15 years True. ago. Yeah. With The salary cap situation, you can reset after a year or two if a pick doesn't work
3: out. But how many more times do you get to screw it up if you're Ryan Pace, the GM, Matt uh, one. Maggie as the coach? Because ultimately – Uh, They traded for Mitch Trubisky and traded up a number one pick to move up one spot to take him and didn't take Deshaun Watson or, oh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes when they traded up to take Mitch Trubisky. So uh, who knows? All right, we'll turn this now to boxing real quick on both the Three Dog Thursday on the YouTube simulcast and also uh, to the Powers on Sports podcast no matter when uh, or where that you're hearing us, come find the YouTube roundtable on this. We are looking on the YouTube roundtable. This is right in Marquise and Mai's Wield house. Uh, Canelo Alvarez in action Saturday night. Uh, The unified super middleweight 168 pound championships are on the line. Alvarez multi-division world champ, arguably the biggest non-heavyweight name in the sport uh, that's currently active. Uh, So, Marquise, we come to you first here. We're going to talk a lot on Big Fight Weekend's podcast on BigFightWeekend.com, building towards the weekend. But since we're here on Three Dog Thursday, we're here on Powers on Sports, tell the audience's plural about Canelo and England's Billy Joe Saunders coming up quickly.
0: Absolutely, TJ. For those who have been under a rock, it's Canelo Fight Week, and he is in action in Dallas at Jerry World in front of 65,000 fans or so, taking on the undefeated Billy Joe Saunders as a unification bout for his version of it's pretty much the belt on the line guys for at the 168 pounds is the WBO that Billy Jill Saunders has the WBA and the WBC, which Canelo has. So they're going to try to merge all these pies together here for, uh, this weekend. Making it one step closer for unification at 168 with that Caleb Plant has, and it's going to be a fun one, TJ. I'm looking forward to it actually, mainly for the simple reason that the biggest guy in the sport, Canelo, is fighting again. This will be his second time this year already, TJ. I haven't, we we know guys who haven't been fought, haven't fought since the pandemic took place. So, three
3: fights in five months for Alvarez, wow. December, February, and May. So, he's been very active, and again, there's... yeah. Incentives financially for him to do that. Jason, we're also sharing the screen and showing the audience on the Three Dog Thursday YouTube roundtable and also the audio podcast for Powers on Sports. We're showing them AT&T Stadium, where they will have Jason marquise and the audience as we also see the inside of the stadium. Yes. Some sixty thousand plus, probably closer to sixty-five thousand or more. Somewhat socially distanced, but most of it is. Huge crowd on the football field of the of the stadium and in the four levels of the stadium, they will have this fight and it will be the largest crowd of anything post COVID-19 pandemic to this point, including the NFL, including the Kentucky Derby, which last weekend had 50,000 people spread out at Churchill Downs for the horse race. This will have some 60, 65,000 Jason power. So it's kind of transcending boxing as we look on the screen here.
1: You guys are the boxing experts. Tell me about this Billy Joe Saunders. Is this guy a tomato can, or is he a legitimate? Is he a legitimate threat to at least give Alvarez a test,
0: Marquise? Well, if you're going to play a drinking game, guys, Saturday night watching this fight, you're going to hear the words Billy Joe Saunders and Slick Southpaw to the point where you will be passed out drunk from that. So he <laughs> he has a couple of move abilities, guys. He he's just not the. Canelo is just on a different level than these guys at 168. I'm just, that's just the way it is. And of course the guy who, who is the greatest in the sport is going to be heavily favored. Like Canelo is at this point. And that's where Billy Joe Saunders is. The one thing with Billy Joe Saunders, Jason and why this fight is taking so long. This fight was supposed to happen during around COVID tomorrow. I want to say may of last year, COVID right. wiped all of that out. And then they tried to reschedule it. Billy Joe Saunders needed more time and all of her boxing shenanigans, but nonetheless, they're here. They're in town to set for Saturday in Dallas. And it's one of those fights where Billy or Joe Saunders is going to have to pl- pretty much have the fight of his life
3: to beat Canelo. I, I just don't see and, and, and for the audience on Powers on Sports and for Three Dog Thursday, Saunders is not a big puncher. He is a yeah. slick boxer, a southpaw. Canelo is obviously one of the greats. He's got a big punch. He's going to stalk him. Uh, and the, the real, the real question is, can Saunders do enough with hand speed and movement to frustrate him and make this a fight and make this a contest? We'll see. Hey, Marquise real quick. Saunders, yeah. because it's three dog Thursday is a five and a half to one doggy here. A plus five twenty five. <laughs> Canelo is seven and a half to one favorite. Uh, I know we're going to talk more about the odds and specifically on the big fight weekend podcast Another uh-huh. another plug there when we talk gambling. Do we do we even tempt it with Billy Joe Saunders as the underdog here, or do you give him virtually no shot against Canelo uh, Saturday night? At, at this point, TJ, I don't. I'm not saying he doesn't have a
0: shot, but I'm I'm keeping my money in my pocket on this one. I'm, I'm, the only, I'm going the only thing I keep defense.
3: half jokingly saying is if if somebody hides Canelo's boots or if he gets hurt. Then it could it could happen, but other than that, I don't think there's uh, there's much drama. Uh, Jason, yeah. we've only got a few minutes left. Go ahead. You got anything else? Yeah, I'm gonna ask you
1: guys both one question. Obviously, we're on the Simulcast, Three Dog Thursday, bigfightweekend.com podcast and the Powers on Sports Podcast. Give me give the audience a little summary of what's going down down in Puerto Rico. You guys have been all over this story the last several days. Felix Verdejo has been arrested and charged with murder of his of his pregnant girlfriend. Give the audience a little background of
3: how all that story has come together and just the, the, the parameters behind the story a little bit. Okay, we've been all over this, and kudos to my man Marquise Johns because he had one of the first English-speaking articles up on this when it was all going on on Friday in Puerto Rico. They frantically searched for this woman for two days, found her horrifically uh, floating uh, dead in a lagoon Saturday near Carolina, Puerto Rico, which is just outside of San Juan. Horrible. And Verdejo is the prime suspect he's been charged with her kidnapping her murder this is a 27 year old lightweight 135 pound contender marquise pick it up here horrible horrific story where we have been writing about real life horrible murder news on the website and we'll obviously be talking more about this on our podcast but this is awful stuff verdejo has ruined it would appear not only his boxing career, but his life and has murdered his girlfriend, if all of this is is to be believed. Marquise, go ahead real quick.
0: Yeah, TJ, this is absolutely horrific, guys. Pretty much that episode of Law & Order Criminal Intent, where the guy kills his wife and and gets away with it for about 45 minutes until they catch him. Yeah, that's what happened here. And it's not good at all. He pretty much uh, killed his mistress, essentially, uh, who was pregnant because she came by and he already has a prior relationship or where he's in one currently. So someone had to go and he made the reckless and irresponsible decision of killing this woman for some reason or another, allegedly. And we'll see what happens from there. But long story
3: short, guys, we'll never see this guy again. <laughs> I mean, he's immensely, he's an immensely popular fighter in Puerto Rico, up and coming mm-hmm. star. He got beat in his last fight in December in an upset loss. Yes. That kind of derailed him a little bit. And now this, I mean, this is just, it, it has been nonstop in Puerto Rico, the number one story for the last five days. So again, thank you for indulging us as the boxing guys, but it has transcended the rest of sports, yeah. Jason. And we only got about two or three minutes left. Anything else, Jason?
1: Kudos to you guys. You guys have been all over it. Done great reporting on it, on all your, the various platforms. So very much real, One more question about uh, this weekend yeah, this has been a traditional Mexican fighters weekend with Cinco de Mayo weekend all over for many, many years. How do you think what why not Las Vegas as opposed to Jerry world more because of the attendance, the ability to do it in the stadium is that why they Marquise, go ahead.
0: He- yeah, Jason, pretty much like what it is in Vegas, because there are having shows back in Vegas at the end of this month, but it's it's because of the attendance caps on it. Pretty much Texas, as we all know, guys, it's an open range. Vegas <laughs> is only having at most half capacity or in, in, in case for these top ring shows, about 45, 40 percent. So you got to follow the money on
3: some of this stuff. And they, that money is clearly in Dallas. No, and they they've not been able to use outdoor venues in Vegas or the yep. the the new uh allegiance. Raider stadium. stadium. Yeah. The Raider Stadium. So their indoor capacity is like four thousand, three thousand, four thousand yeah. 4,000. they're trying to have fights there, which they will do later this month, Jason, in the month of May. That ain't sixty thousand. That ain't sixty-five thousand or greater, which is what we're looking for this Canelo fight to be Saturday night, and that's why it's in Texas. They say everything's bigger in Texas. And now we're going to find out for Canelo. Last sorry.
1: quick, last quick thought. Give me the, what, what's the word on Floyd Mayweather? Is he coming back to fight? What's he
0: doing? Marquise. He's coming back, but it's definitely not a fight, Jason. That is an exhibition <laughs> against Logan Paul. It is the, it is the usual uh, shenanigans from Floyd Mayweather again, pretty much what's happening guys. And it, 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 it just made word that uh Triller is pushing back their Tfima Lopez, George Gambosas fight that was happening that Saturday. So what's happening is that Floyd's back to take over his pay-per-view King status And that fight on Sunday, June 6th, is pushing everything in itself out of the picture for for it to happen, this to happen on Showtime.
3: Interesting. And so, again, it's Floyd fighting an exhibition, as far as we know, against a YouTuber, failed actor, Logan (laughs) Paul. Yes. This is what we've come to. This is not Mm -hmm. the boxing we know, but it's bringing in a different audience, so... That's what's coming up. Hey, Jason Powers, thank you. Great job. Powers on Sports podcast for Jason. Again, if you're hearing us on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, if you're seeing us on the YouTube roundtable, again, we're on Jason's podcast as kind of a joint interview, a simulcast on Powers on Sports. Marquise John, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. Thank you as well. I'll promote uh, for my guys one more time here that are seeing us on the YouTube roundtable that you can follow uh, Marquise Johns at Week Sauce Radio. There he is, and he's mugging for the Detroit Pistons as well. Oh man! Week Sauce Radio <laughs> on the Twitter handle. Love that. Jason Powers is JPO Sports on Twitter. If you're only hearing us, or you see him right there on social media, follow him at JPO Sports on the Powers on Sports podcast. Guys, we got to get out of here. Great job on Three Dog Thursday. Jason, keep knocking them dead. We're on your podcast, Powers on Sports Podcast. Marquise, we've done this once. We'll do it again on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast to preview more of Canelo and Billy Joe Saunders. Thank you, guys. Great stuff here on Three Dog Thursday.
1: Great job. Thanks, TJ. Thanks, Thanks Marquise. TJ.
3: Thanks a lot, guys.
1: Thanks for tuning into the Powers on Sports Podcast. We really appreciate it. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review before we get back to the episode, want to mention Titan Home Lending. If you have any home financing needs in the state of Florida, reach out to me, Jason Powers, Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. I can help you with a home purchase, with a refinance, with a cash-out refinance, with a renovation loan, a VA loan, FHA loan, conventional loan. In virtually anything in between relative to home financing. So reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. You can reach me on email at jpowers at titanhl.com. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason. Appreciate you listening to the previous interview we had. I think you'll enjoy our our Second interview of the episode this week. We're going to talk to Drew Felios. Drew's back on the podcast. Drew's a uh, broadcaster. He's worked many, many different uh, venues over his career. He's the play-by-play vo- voice of the Tampa Bay Rowdies of the United Soccer League. He does pickle. He's the voice of pickleball around the country for the PPA Tour. We're going to talk to Drew about the, the Rowdies. The soccer season starting. We're going to get his perspective on Manchester United. Situation there going on over overseas. We're gonna talk a little Aaron Rodgers, and we're just gonna talk some sports. So welcome back to the podcast, Drew.
2: What's up, my man? Blowing up on the podcasting scene. I love it, brother. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, Drew's my man. Drew's longtime friend, longtime childhood friend down here in Tampa. Drew's got many, many experiences around the country doing lots of different things. Drew's been a sports director in his career he's worked for espn he's worked for many many outlets cbs sports network let's start there you just got back from an event down in naples florida kind of one of the you're kind of you're kind of starting off as kind of the voice of pickleball give the audience a little perspective of what pickleball the growth of pickleball and the event you just the huge event you just did down in naples
2: okay you want a little perspective i'm going to give it to you about seven eight years ago The number one, number two players and doubles players in the world were in their 60s. Now, it's completely different. The number one player in the world, Ben Johns, is 22 years old, and he is a phenom. You've also got an influx of ladies coming into the sport, tremendously athletic, and a lot of them, Jason, are players that were tennis players in high school or in college, and they've made the conversion and they've mastered this game in pickleball, and they've made it more athletic. Uh, they've made it more, you know, ball placement, more strategy. And given that it is a more closed-in game than tennis is, it makes it more of a spectator sport. You add the social aspect into it, mix it all together. And I'll tell you what, man, looking at sports all together, of course you got the NFL, and then I would put pickleball right there with the major Sports as a sport, Jay, that is roaring out of the pandemic, that is benefiting from everybody wearing masks for the past year now, and now starting to realize sports again because you've got an influx of people that want to not only watch sports but get out there and do it themselves, and that is what pickleball represents right now.
1: And if you guys, if you if if those in the audience, you probably saw some of you probably saw about a week and a half, two weeks ago, CBS Sports Network had a huge pickleball event down in Naples. Drew was the voice of that event. I'm sure you can go on CBS Sports On Demand and probably find that event, Pickleball. YouTube is another big place for Pickleball. Talk to us about the the PPA Tour. People don't realize the PPA Tour has events all over the country, from Newport Beach, St. George's, Utah, Naples, Florida, Atlanta, GA. Tell us about the tour. Great
2: that you asked that, Jay. Next event is in Atlanta. It's in it's next week, actually. And uh, after that, San Clemente, California. Yeah, there's tour stops all over the country. Next year, I believe they're doing 20 to 22 tour stops. And they go to some of the most fun cities, Denver, Colorado, Newport Beach. Like you said, Austin, Texas, they're going. Tampa, they hope to come here again next year. Um, you know, of course, Naples is called, called the pickleball capital of the world because the entire city, remember, they don't have any pro sports down there. So they've kind of just taken the town and said, we're going all in on the sport of pickleball. So the PPA is like the professional governing body, and they have kind of distinguished themselves where they are signing some of these pro players to play exclusively on the PPA tour. And Jay, I'll tell you what, man, it is fun to work. It's fun to follow. We've got great crowds every single tour stop, and you can feel... It' building. You can feel the momentum of the sport, like you are truly a part of something special, and that is what's so cool about it right now.
1: And the beautiful thing about pickleball is this: it's a sport of all ages. Anybody can enter these tournaments. You and I could enter these tournaments if we wanted to, and and you know we could be in. We could fly out to to Newport Beach and join get in the tournament. We can go to our local park and play. It's not an age restrictive sport at all. You got – at the Tampa event that I saw you work at, I saw people there from
2: 12 years old to 85 playing. In Naples, Jay, our youngest player was nine years old. Youngest guy. His name was Leo Chun, and he's going to be a pro one day. Our oldest player, 91 <laughs> years old, including, you know, the great Rick Barry, who was in Tampa. He is – he's a big spokesman for the sport right now as well. Yep. But, yeah, the senior citizens involved in this game and the ones who say that pickleball is made them love playing sports again it is incredible
1: no it's it's i mean it's a great little sport man if you like if you like racket sports you don't have to be in the greatest condition to play it's the court's pretty small so there's not not as nearly the running as tennis is not the pounding on your joints it's a great sport for the guys like you and me that are in our 40s and beyond have some maybe have some limitations physically with our knees and our back and all that stuff you can get out there and play for an hour you feel good you're done And, you know, it's just a great little sport. The cost of entry is next to nothing. You buy a paddle and a ball and you're good to go. Like you said, more and more of these cities are building pickleball-only courts. Instead of having to makeshift courts on tennis courts, it's just a great sport. And from a TV perspective, it's a great sport to watch on TV. The action, it's back and forth. The firefights at the net. I I think you're going to be a major player on the broadcasting side ESPN, Fox Sports, CBS Sports, one of these three groups is going to pick up this tour and you're going to see Pickleball on TV very regularly.
2: Well, oh, we, we hope so, Jason. And, uh, you know, the, the Pardo family who's organizing the PPA, they're doing an incredible job. And uh, the sport still has to take steps, one step at a time. A major step in Naples was we went live on national network TV for the first time ever. That's a huge, huge step in CBS Sports. Is starting to go more all in on pickleball. So you're absolutely right. And Jason, let's go, man. Time for you to pick up a paddle. Let's go,
1: man. <laughs> I am actually getting one this week. You and I talked last week. I am in the market for a paddle. I, we got a, a mutual friend of ours, has his own golden boy paddle, a Dick's Dick <laughs> Sporting Goods, Scott Golden. So I'm gonna probably head over to Dick's and pick up a paddle and get it. Seriously, I've met you a couple times. I'm gonna start playing there, there's several places here in Tampa. So we're gonna play and you know
2: i just hope your wallet is golden whenever you see the price tag <laughs> <laughs> no scott golden is he is such a good dude and he's a perfect representative for the game and yeah you'll see ben johns has a paddle he's rep by franklin so many great brands just try it jay grip it swing it try it you know kind of see what you're comfortable with and go with it man
1: i got gotcha. you all right, let's transition to a little soccer. You're a big soccer guy. You do a lot of announcing for uh, the USL Tampa Bay Rowdies and, and, and work for the USL. Let's talk about the Rowdies and just soccer in general in the, in, in, the, in the country. MLS is starting. They've started in the last couple of weeks. Give me a little lowdown on the Tampa Bay Rowdies franchise. I know last year they were in line to, to, to win a championship before the pandemic hit, right before the finals. Talk to me about your work working for the Tampa Bay Rowdies.
2: Well, this is my fourth year having a privilege to, to, to be a part of the organization. And uh, you know, Jay, you grew up with me. I mean, I wasn't a soccer guy growing up. So I started to get into it about 2009, 2010. And then in 2016, after doing a few events for ESPN and at Disney at the Wide World of Sports, I, I started working for Tormenta FC up in Statesboro, Savannah, Georgia with Darren Van Tassel. And. Had a chance to to learn the game up there and and, and cover a team on a day to day basis, that led to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. It was funny, Jay, because you know the Rowdies is the iconic brand. I mean, you like me, we used to go to the old Fourth of Julys at the old Sombrero, set off the fireworks, and watch Mike back in Conno the seventy and, back in the seventies and eighties, we we were toddlers. <laughs> oh my God, Roy Weggerly and Mike Connell and Oscar Fabiani and uh, you know Rodney Spendler, Marsh. Some of the oh man, some of the great names back. Back in the day, and the and the iconic uniforms, and you know, I remember Pele came to Tampa Stadium one time. That was for the Cosmos for the Cosmos. Absolutely, back in the day. So, uh, so when uh, when I was working for Tormenta J, I thought to myself, you know, maybe maybe one day that Rowdy's job will will come open. And then when it did actually open, uh, had a chance in 2018 to do my first Rowdy season with Eddie Rodriguez. And now uh, working with Ryan Davis, it has been just awesome. But as far as the team is concerned, Jay, this is by far the best team they've put on the pitch. This team uh, is is the best team in the modern era that the Rockies have had since they started back up back in two thousand and ten. Um, they've got everything, Jay. They got experience. They got size. They got speed. Uh, they've got movement. And the thing is, they don't have any guys on the team who are me guys. It is everybody buying in right now and their coach, Neil Collins is a future star in the world of soccer. He is going to set this sport on fire wherever he goes next. And I hope he doesn't go anywhere. I hope he's with the Roddies forever. However, I really think the guy is talented. He, he is, he has a true feel for the game. Um, his, his acquisitions in the off season have been so on point and his adjustments in game aren't too shabby either. Uh, altogether, this is going to be another fabulous rowdy season we're looking at here.
1: And, ta- and talk about the USL. If people that don't know, the United Soccer League is kind of the A of MLS. MLS is kind of the, the, the mainstream pro league that we all hear about on TV, ESPN. USL is kind of one notch below. A lot of the MLS teams will sign guys from USL teams in the offseason, things like that. Talk about the quality of play throughout the USL. There's teams all over the country from Birmingham, Alabama to North Carolina to teams out West teams in Texas, obviously here in Florida, talk about the USL
2: several mid markets. Like you said, Birmingham is one. Uh, You have several also MLS teams that have a second team and that second team will play in the USL. Now that's a disadvantage. I think because you could take 10 or 11 18-year-old phenoms and put them together. But if you put them up against the Rowdies, guess what? The Rowdies are going to have a big time advantage because the Rowdies have a lot of guys that are playing like this is their destination. They've either had a taste of the MLS and they're here and they're good or they are ascending. But a lot of guys who come to Tampa, Jay, they're happy with putting on that green and gold and saying, you know, I'm going to take my soccer career wherever this organization takes it. There's great organization in Phoenix, Jay. There's one in Las Vegas. Uh, there's, there's Landon Donovan, San Diego um, now, a tremendous organization. He's doing great things out there. This week, we play Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, coached by Bob, Bob Lilly, one of the legends in the game. Pittsburgh, another great team. And uh, yeah, altogether, you know, Charlotte still has a franchise, although they're all, they also have an MLS team as well. But the major cities, the major markets, and people don't realize the USLJ is based, guess where? Right on West Shore Boulevard. It is right here in our backyards, and and they do a tremendous job with it.
1: Talk about one of the good things about this franchise in Tampa is the support they get from an ownership perspective. They are owned by the Tampa Bay Rays. The ownership group that owns the Rays owns the Rowdies, so they're going to get some financial support. They're going to get some added little benefits that some other franchises might not get. Talk to me about the relationship between the Rays and the Rowdies.
2: It's certainly interesting to watch because – um, you know, whenever the Rays made the purchase, I think everybody knew that uh, Matt Silverman was not exactly the biggest uh, Manchester United fan or, you know, <laughs> probably <laughs> probably was not, uh, you know, watching the World Cup or attending every four years. You know, obviously, those guys, are business is baseball. But what they've done is they've given a real up and coming GM by the name of Lee Cohen, who runs the Rowdies, a great amount of power. And they've said, hey, go do your thing put this thing together, make it work. And Lee takes his prowess and he, and he takes coach Collins's prowess and they have an awful lot of leverage and they can pretty much go get who they want, make the moves they want, do what they want. And as I said, this year, uh, this team is pretty good. I, it's by far the the best, one of the best USL sides I've ever seen put on the field. And uh, you know, they, they definitely want to win a championship after what happened last season, not getting a chance to compete because of COVID.
1: And the last thing I'll mention, we'll, and then we'll move on, to, I'll get, I'm going to get your opinion on some Manchester United stuff. The facility that y'all play at, Al Lang Stadium, a beautiful little soccer venue right there on the ocean in St. Petersburg. Just talk about the, the venue, just for the fans in the Bay Area that may be listening, to come on out to a game. Such a beautiful atmosphere, a beautiful breeze usually. Talk about the, the venue, Al Lang Stadium.
2: I remember watching the St. Louis Cardinals, spring training back in the day at Al Lang Stadium. So whenever this was going down back in 2009 and 2010, I never really envisioned it, but after being a part of it for four seasons, what an incredible advantage, what an incredible venue our team has playing right there on the water, playing right in the midst of downtown St. Pete, all the restaurants, bars, everything right there. You've got the Mahaffey Theater, the Dolly Museum right next door. Um, it, and it is known throughout the league as one of the best, you know, best venues. It's 7,000 fans. Perfect. Yep. I think for the size of, of fans and interesting to see what happens with the venue with Tampa Bay in the future. Will they share a stadium with the Rays? Will they continue to use their own little exclusive stadium? I kind of like what they're doing right now. It's hard to not like what they're doing right now. And Jay, the, the grass, the pitch is just perfect as well. I mean, there's nothing like Al
1: yeah, it's a great. It's a, from from a fan's perspective, it's never going to be too hot out there because you can always have a little a little ocean breeze. So it's a great little venue. Tell tell fans where they can buy tickets with the Rowdies. Uh, you know if they want, I, I know there's limited attendance right now with COVID as the season gets going. But hopefully as the summer progresses, more and more fans will be allowed in the stadium. Where can they? Where if people are interested in tickets, what's a good avenue for them to reach out
2: to? Continue to uh, check rowdysoccer.com. That's the website. And each week they should be letting in more and more fans. I know last week we did not do walk-ups. Uh, you had to be a season ticket holder. But that's going to slowly change. Yep. And uh, now now with the mass mandates slowly being peeled back a little bit, hopefully uh, the stadium will look more and more full as the season goes on.
1: All right. You're listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm Jason Drew Felios joining us. On the podcast, we're talking a little soccer, a little pickleball. We're going to get to Aaron Rodgers in a couple minutes. Speaking of teams that own multiple sports franchises, I want to get your opinion on the Glazers. The Glazers, who own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here locally, they've been in the news here lately. They own, we've known for, they've owned for several, numerous years now, Manchester United over in the Premier League. those of you that don't know, there was a proposal a couple weeks back about a what's called a super league developing in Europe to replace the UEFA Champions League. You know, at the t- at the time of this broadcast, Manchester City, who's in the EPL, is advanced to the final of the of the of the uh, Champions League. This super league was going to be like a an exclusive team type of tournament where they were going to have certain teams who were going to be in it every year. We're going to be guaranteed a spot as opposed to now. You have to earn your way into the Champions League by how you finish in the domestic league, in your, in, whether it's England, Spain, Germany, France. You have to earn your way in this Super League concept led by Joel, led by the Glazers, who was, who, was, who, was, who was a chairman of this Super League. He was behind a lot of this. The fans in England and Manchester United are going crazy. They want the Glazers out as owners of Manchester United. They, they, they ransacked the stadium on Sunday. They were supposed to play Liverpool at Old Trafford. The game gets called off because the fans go through the gates, storm the field, and don't allow the game to happen. Just your thoughts about the passion of European soccer, the fans in Europe, your thoughts.
2: Well, I just got to say, I just don't know if, if you're going to do something part-time I'm not sure that that's the gig to do part time because obviously you remember 2004, 2005, 2006 when the bucks seemed to be hemorrhaging just a bit and the glaziers were pulling back and obviously you know of course Rich McKay all the moves he made and the damage control to try and bring the budget back down we remember those days and there was times there where we thought oh my gosh when are we ever going to be good again and it feels like perhaps that is going on right now with Manchester United. It's like the script has been flipped, yep. right? And now we're all in with Tampa Bay and, and Champa Bay, and all these, you, you know, I, I, there's there's too many other things. We're all in with Antonio Brown and <laughs> uh, and, and and Gronk and all these guys and uh, Shaq Barrett. Right now, I think that's more the focus because they realize this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that we have. Jay, it's awfully tough to run two incredible Massive franchises, franchises worldwide it's global very,
1: franchises.
2: It's very tough. And the Glaciers are not front and center, out on the stage. You know, they're behind the curtain, very much so. So they could be really involved, and sometimes you don't know as a fan. And, unfortunately, when you have a passionate fan base like that, you make a few missteps or you neglect it just a little bit, and the house comes down. And unfortunately, that could be the case right now.
1: They are going crazy over there. And, man, they want the Glazers out. They've never been big fans of American owners, sports owners, coming into there, coming overseas and buying these teams up. It's happening more and more. I know the Red Sox ownership group has bought a franchise in in the EPL. LeBron James is involved in some of that stuff in Liverpool. But I just have a funny feeling – it wouldn't surprise me if the Glazers end up selling this because of the pressure. The, they don't care over there. That. That's the difference between American fans and European fans. They will bum rush, go through. They will protest till the cows come home, where in America that would never really happen. I mean, you would never see a scenario, I don't think, where Yankee fans are just going to barrel through Yankee Stadium or the Bucks fans are going to barrel through Raymond James and not allow a game to go on. Over there, they have canceled that game – and they say they're going to keep protesting every time they have a home game the rest of the year. They want the Glazers to sell the team. It's just and, – and I know it's, it's a financial benefit for the Glazers. To me, if you're the Glazers, the Suns are getting older. Sell, one of the, sell the Manchester United, cash out, and focus on the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers, their value has gone through the roof the last 10 years, like all NFL teams. The Bucs are probably worth $3 billion right now. Unload, man! You let them do their thing and focus on being the bu- best Buccaneer owner.
2: And r- remember, they bought it for hundred and ninety-four, and we thought back in the early nineties that that was a high price tag. Remember, I mean, hundred and ninety-four million, and we thought, "Oh, what? Wow, these guys are crazy." And what's it worth today? Probably two
1: and a half, <laughs> three billion dollars easily, <laughs> easily. So, so you soccer fans out there, pay attention to that because that's that story's not going away for for a while. I think you're going to see some major uh, upheaval. And, again, the issue with the Glazers kind of being the chairman of this Super League concept that blew up in everybody's face, I think it's going to be a major problem. It's going to be a major black eye for the Glazers on the soccer side of the business. The football side of the business is thriving. All the Buccaneers merchandise sales. The Bucks went from 29th in the league last year to number one because of the signing of Tom Brady and their success. What the the best jump in the history of the NFL in a one-year period
2: was Buccaneer merchandise. And they realized, Hey, this window is short. It's this coming year. It's maybe the following year. Right. So all of our chips are on the table and this is what we're dealing with. And Dominic and Sue, Shaq Barrett, Gronk, all these guys, you don't know how long they're going to be here. Take advantage of it. Now remember Bruce Arians is no spring chicken either. So you have a window here. You got to go all in on that.
1: Absolutely. All right. Last topic I want to get to. and we'll get you out of here. One, Aaron Rodgers, the, the, the fiasco going on in Green Bay. He has the bombshell on draft night, draft night day number one. I want out of Green Bay. I can't I can't take it anymore. It's either me or the GM. One of us has got to go. Your thoughts, Aaron Rodgers
2: scenario in Green Bay. OK, here. Here's the way I think. He's upset with his franchise. Okay, I'm sure he has some valid points there. But if you are upset, and clearly we knew he was upset, when we watched the press conference, when the Bucs beat them up in Lambeau, we knew that all things were not right. We knew that. Why not address it then instead of let months go by, then go host Jeopardy for a couple weeks, get out there, build your own value And then on draft night, drop a napalm bomb right on the franchise and say that you don't want to be there anymore. Right on the biggest day of the year for that franchise. That's the problem that I have with it. And it shows a lot of what Aaron's personality is all about. Those things, they can be settled, you know, in in a much more civil way than going about it that the way he did. And to be quite honest with you, you know, Time after time, playoff after playoff. Granted, you know, you got the Super Bowl win over the Steelers, but in the postseason, Jay, he has not been spectacular. He's, he's not, not been, he's not been like he has been during the regular season. And quite frankly, he has not been Tom Brady to just cut to the chase. And unfortunately, if you are the man in the league, and if you are, you know, the first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the all-time greats, you're gonna be judged mostly on how you performed in the clutch and Aaron has come up short on many occasions. So factor all that in. I think that the management and coaching staff of green Bay 2 saw what was coming with the bucks in that game. And when they decided to kick that field goal, oof, that was a knockout blow to Aaron Rodgers. And then factor in, you know, he sees Tom Brady getting all these weapons and he sees other players. But wait, wait a minute, Drew. Yeah. It ain't
1: about weapons in Green Bay, bro. They got Devontae Adams, one of the top three receivers in the league, Aaron Jones, Robert Tanyan. Offense hasn't been the problem. And one thing I'll say about Aaron Rodgers, do you ever see Aaron Rodgers say, Hey, I didn't play very good today? It's always somebody else's problem when they don't, when they don't win a game when they go one and four in the NFC Championship game. It's always somebody else's problem. It's never Aaron Rodgers. He didn't throw the interceptions against the Buccaneers. Please.
2: Well, hey, we're 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 talking about a guy now that has had some some issues, you know, with with people and even his immediate family that has gotten out there <laughs> and things that you would think would be water under the bridge in most of our cases. Um, aren't in his world. And when you analyze it all, put it all together, obviously this is a dark cloud right now hanging over the franchise. But still, given all that, Jay, Green Bay was willing to ride him out. They were willing to go with him. And even Terry Bradshaw comes out yesterday and says, this guy is weak. This is a joke. You mean to tell me you're upset because they drafted a guy? They moved up to draft a guy? They did their job? They drafted you to replace Brett Favre. That's how you got your career started. So you factor in everything and yeah, unfortunately it kind of, it's, it's unfortunate, but Jay, it says a lot about a lot of the athletes today, you know, one LBJ guys that guys that, you know, basically are not built like they were back in the nineties. Reggie Miller came out. I believe it was a few days ago and said, if Michael Jordan had asked me to play on his team, I would have said, go. Do you know, go screw yourself, man. Go to hell. I mean, Jesus. So that's where things have changed, you know, from from then to today. And Aaron Rodgers, great talent. But unfortunately, there's those things there that have festered. And now Green Bay has got a major problem on their hands. And,
1: And that's the one thing that you have. That's to me, that's the one thing that so differentiates a guy like Tom Brady from everybody else. He's never once been the highest paid quarterback in the NFL ever. He's always said, you know what, I'm going to take a little less because I want us to go sign another guy, Antonio Brown, another guy. Do you ever hear Rodgers say, you know what, I'll take a little less, but go, hey, part of this deal, though, if I'm going to do that, is you got to go get somebody. Never, never once did you ever hear him, he always wants to be up here. He, he just, he doesn't have the winning, he, he's great when everything's great. But he's not great when there's some adversity, when there's some wind in the air, there's some storm clouds going. He's just not the guy.
2: I mean, one in four in championship games, one in four. <laughs> <laughs> Says it all pretty much. And you're absolutely right. More reason to appreciate, as a Bucks fan, what we have here. Because imagine how much dirty laundry that is probably there between Brady and Belichick and yet still. Tom, you know, it's a little dig here, a little dig there on Twitter. The way he kind of yeah. does it is, you know, it's kind of cute. He's obviously got his social media, you know, staff now. And, it, it, you know, it's, it's kind of cool how he plays to how this way is different than the yeah. Patriot way. But he doesn't throw anybody under the bus right. for that out. He's not going to do that. And, and, I, you know, I think I commend him for it.
1: And, and the other thing, the other thing he understands, he understands his role. He's the player. Let the GM be the GM and the coach be the coach. Not saying he can't have some influence on some things and maybe they don't run a a personnel decision by him once in a while. But when you're dictating the general manager better get fired for me to come back to Green Bay, are you effing kidding me, Aaron (laughs) Rodgers? That will never happen. If I'm Green Bay, I let that guy rot. If you think he's going to not cash $30 million check this year and sit at home and and practice Jeopardy, please.
2: (laughs) You're absolutely right, man. And, uh, you know, that's the thing about sports and team sports. you got to find a way to work together. you got to find a way to make it work. And some guys, unfortunately, have a hard time doing that. And Jay, you know, it's been fun watching you grow, man. I mean, uh, you know, we grew up uh, talking sports together, and now you're you're, you're kind of coming on the scene slowly, and people are starting to ask questions. Who is that guy? Man, that was pretty good. I know T.J. Reeves, you know, is, uh, is very fond of your efforts. And just keep it rolling, my man. Keep it rolling. Well, Drew, man, great job. Keep up the great work. Where, where can people find you on, on social media? Okay, at Drew Sports TV on Twitter, uh, be sure and follow me. Uh, lots of Rowdy's content every week. You know, we've also got college football, college basketball. Next yep. week, I'm going to going to call the NAIA National Championship in Grambling, Louisiana, and then um, I'm going to do the Sunbelt Conference Track and Field meet. That's in that's in Mobile, Alabama, but I'm going to be actually calling it out of Indianapolis, a remote facility there. That's going to be a heck of an experience. And then, yeah, man uh lots of stuff coming up this summer man be sure and follow me on twitter it'll be fun
1: and again check out the check out uh on youtube go on youtube plug in pickleball you'll see some ppa tour events you'll hear drew on the call all over the all over the summer on the tour naples cbs sports network all that stuff great job drew keep up the great work man and uh we'll talk to you again real soon all right will do thanks jay okay you listen to the powers on sports podcast we'll be back in just a minute Have a great week.